When my wife and I were dating, there was a period of time when she had returned to Australia while I remained in Canada. As this was before either of us had email and long-distance phone calls were still very expensive, we wrote letters back and forth. And while I would have preferred a phone call, or better yet, to have been together, receiving her letters was always a thrill, because it was a genuine reflection of her experiences, thoughts, and feelings. And I learned more about her, even though she was not immediately present. The written word has a power in our relationships that is different than any other. Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast, a weekly message from Gamia Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. I'm Mark Rader, Senior Pastor here at GBC, and I pray that you hear the invitation of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message today. As a community of faith, this is what we are passionate about, people hearing and responding to the invitation of God to join in His mission to renew everything in Jesus. As we continue our sermon series entitled Hearing the Invitation of God, we turn to how we can listen to God's voice through His written word to us, and in particular, how we can take steps to genuinely delight in the word of God. I'm reading today from Psalm 119 with the New International Version and commencing at verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that, you, that come from my, your mouth. I rejoice in following your statues as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. How do we hear from God? It sounds like a good kind of church question to ask, doesn't it? Oh, yes, of course, they'd ask that sort of thing. But how do we actually hear from God? Because it's actually a pretty critical question, isn't it? Because if we believe that God is always active and if God is always inviting us to participate in what he's doing, then being able to identify his voice, to hear his invitation and respond is actually a really critical skill. Uh, And I hope that you've been challenged and encouraged by this series, Hearing the Invitation of God. Uh, And I hope that you'll be challenged again tonight, again, to continue to tune our ears and our our hearts to hear the invitation of God and to respond to it. Just before we uh, have a bit of a look at this, uh, though, let me just make a couple of comments about uh, what's been alluded to in the mid-year meeting. Uh, One of the things that I did today was uh, shared a little bit about what was on my heart about where God has us as a people, as a community of faith. Uh, and I uh, really wanted to call the congregation, the community of faith, you included, uh, to prayer. Uh, and uh, that, that's going to be unfolded over the next little while. Uh, I'm on leave for the next three weeks, so we'll kind of have to do that over kind of a, in kind of a different way than normal. But essentially, I really want to encourage all of us to be praying that God would bring a new season in our church. Uh, that he would be bringing something new and fresh and exciting and energizing for us, that we would see more and more his work in our lives and the lives of those around us, Uh, that uh, we would be praying and that God would show us where he's calling each of us to participate in that, 
and uh, thirdly, that we would discern as a community of faith what needs to change for us, the very things that Kat just prayed for. So uh, you'll be hearing more about that, but uh, basically what I challenge those who were there at the meeting today is when you pray, whenever you pray, whether it's every day or whether it's just once or twice a week, that when you pray, that you'd also pray for those three things. We'll try to communicate that more widely. Uh, but I'm really, I'm really believing that there's a new season for us as a community of faith. Uh, and uh, looking forward to what God will do in our midst. So uh, just be on the lookout for those things as we go along. Uh, we are, of course, as Mark said, uh, kind of beginning or kind of halfway through really now, this series entitled Hearing the Invitation of God. And we want to talk tonight, or I want to talk tonight, about hearing the invitation of God in the Word, in the Bible. So last week, uh, Mark talked about how we hear the Word of God, the invitation of God in prayer, uh, which is a pretty big challenge for us because I think we often think about prayer as us talking, right? We talk and then God listens, but we don't do much listening. I don't know if any of you uh, kind of implemented, I don't know if you didn't listen to Mark's, you heard Nickley speak last Sunday, but if you listened to Nickley last week or you've kind of caught up on the podcast, uh, Mark spoke in the morning and gave another kind of framework to be listening as we pray, and I hope that you're kind of taking some of those things on. But today we want to look at, or tonight we want to look at what it means to hear the invitation of God in the Word of God. And uh, to do that, I want to use uh, what I hope is becoming a more and more familiar framework for us. Uh, We have a handful of these postcards just left at the back there about reading the Bible together. Uh, So this is something that we started earlier in the year, and we've encouraged people to find someone, uh, whether it's a member of your family or a close friend or your life group, whatever it might be, to read the Bible with someone else. And when you read the Bible with someone else, to be asking four different questions. And the four questions, uh, they're not... They're not unique to us. We've kind of changed some of the language, but we've kind of ripped it off from somebody else. But uh, it's uh, these, these four questions. What stands out to you? Like, so what kind of jumps out? What's profound? What's, what kind of grabs your attention? What questions do you have about the text? Uh, and if you've read the Bible, you know that there's no end to questions. So what questions do you have? But those two questions, while they're interesting, are just the beginning for us because it's the third question that's the money question. It's the one we really want to focus on, which is what might God be inviting you to do from this text? To actually be listening to the invitation of God that we hear in the word. And then fourth is, who are you going to tell? Uh, when I use this format, when I preach, I don't deal with the fourth question because I'm telling you. So that's the kind of word we've handled that question. But I want to have a bit of a look at this passage in Psalm 119. If you have your Bibles and you want to have a look at Psalm 119. I want to draw your attention to something that stood out to me. I want to draw your attention to a question that I have, and then I want to draw your attention to a specific invitation that I feel God is giving to each and every one of us from this text. Uh, so if you, uh, if you, as you, as you turn to Psalm 119, it's the longest psalm in the Bible. It's, I think, the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 22 stanzas that basically all say exactly what that stanza said. Uh, And uh, there's a few things I just want to draw your attention to out of it. The thing that stood out to me and has always stood out to me from this passage is the, the promise that the psalmist makes about what happens if you become familiar with the Word of God. If the Word of God becomes really familiar in our lives, what the impact of that is. So listen to what the psalmist says. Verse 9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? 
There's a few of you young people around here today. That sounds like a fairly important question, doesn't it? Uh, this morning in the congregation, I said, is anyone a parent? Does anyone have concerns that their children will remain on the path of purity? Does anyone who's young at heart wish to remain on the path of purity? Like, here it is. Like, this is a big question, isn't it? How do you remain on the path of purity? Well, it's not, it's not complicated, according to the psalmist. Here's the answer. By living according to your word. Familiarity with the word of God will keep you on the path of purity. Have a look what the psalmist says in verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart. I've hidden your word in my heart. There's a, um, an ancient Near Eastern kind of parallel to this which talks about burying the words in the casket of your heart. Burying these things so deep in your heart that they're hidden away, but out of your heart then will grow the very things of God. And why has the psalmist hidden the words of God in his heart? Was it because his pastor told him to? Is it because he figured it was the best thing to do? No, listen to what the psalmist says. That I might not sin against you. You ever wonder about how to kind of root sin out of your heart? Have you ever wondered how to kind of stay on the straight and narrow? The psalmist tells you that it's here. It's right here. And that's, that's a fairly extraordinary promise, isn't it? Familiarity with the word of God will keep us on the straight and narrow. That's the, that's the claim of the psalmist. In uh, verse 105, he says that your word is a light to my feet. It's a lamp to my path. And when we get into the New Testament in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, Paul says that all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for equipping, correcting, rebuking, and training in all righteousness. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says that the word of God is living and active and can cut into our lives and into our hearts. In 1 Corinthians 10, it says that the examples of the Old Testament have been given us to keep us from making the same mistakes. Scripture is full of references to itself, saying, that if you hide this in your heart, if you make this part of your life, it will transform your behavior and activity. That stands out to me as a pretty extraordinary promise. But here's my question. Why don't we have the same delight for the Bible as the, as the psalmist does? Did you hear he talked about it? If you read through Psalm 119, all 22 stanzas are basically the psalmist saying, I love your word. Now, for the psalmist, the word was the Old Testament, Right? You ever read the Old Testament? Some weird stuff in that. Listen to what the psalmist has to say. Verse 14, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. You ever seen someone win the lottery? Well, like not literally, but you know, you watch it on television or whatever, they're freaking out. They're like, I just want a million dollars. It's my This guy says, if you offer me a million dollars or the Bible, I'm taking the Bible. And I'm not just taking the Bible going, oh great, thank you. I'm taking the Bible going, yes, I won the lottery. No matter what you offer me in life, he says, I'll take the Bible. That's what I delight in. That's what's most important to me. Right? He says at the very end, he says, I delight in your decrees. I delight in them. And yet for so many of us as Christians, that's not our experience with the Bible at all. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I suspect that your experience is actually a little bit more awkward than that. Uh, here's what I suspect happens. Uh, you place your faith in Jesus and uh, some well-meaning pastor says to you, hey, this is the most important book, you should read it. And you go, okay, fair enough. I'm following Jesus, I want to have a bit of a crack at it. And so you start reading the Bible. Uh, and as you read it through, you kind of realize that a whole lot of it doesn't make a lot of sense. 
There's also the weird stuff in it. The Old Testament's just really interesting, right? Uh, you read through Genesis. I was speaking to someone just before, and you, know, you read through Genesis, and some of the stories are familiar. And you might read of Exodus, and you've read Exodus, and you've seen the Prince of Egypt, so you're pretty good on the first part. And then it gets into the laws about, you know, like, I don't know, what to do if there's mildew in your house. And you should call a priest if that happens. And that sounds weird. And then there's a bunch of food laws and sacrificial stuff, and you're like, I don't get this anymore. And then, of course, everyone starts getting killed, and you're like, well, let's go back to Jesus, right? But even Jesus says some stuff that's pretty weird and wild and kind of out there, right? And we end up thinking to ourselves, you know, we come to church and we, 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 we read the Bible and we kind of go, I don't get it. But everyone else seems to get it, right? Because, you know, I get up and I say something, people go, oh, yes, of course. I've hidden my, his word in my heart too. Yes, of course. That's... And people underline stuff in their Bible and we think, oh, they're underlining things. I should underline some things as well, right? Like it's this whole kind of, I'm underlining stuff. See, I'm, I'm spiritual. But deep inside, we're like, I don't get the Bible at all. And because nobody likes feeling that way, we close the Bible and we don't read it anymore because nobody likes to feel like an idiot. But now, of course, we feel guilty because we're not reading the Bible. So we go back to the Bible and we pick it up because we feel guilty and we read it, it doesn't make any sense and so we put it down because it makes us feel stupid. We think I'm guilty and so I go back and read the Bible and this is our experience with the word of God. Mm-mm-mm. And then the psalmist says, I delight in your word and we go, really? Have you read this thing? Like, are we reading the same scriptures? Are we reading the same thing? Like, what are you talking about? Why is it that our experience of the Bible tends not to be one of delight? It's a big question, isn't it? Because ultimately, the promises that the Bible makes about itself, the claims that it makes, are the things that drive us back to it, right? The reason why we overcome our guilt and open it up again is we do believe that it provides us with a foundation for life, that it provides us answers, that it tells us about God's character and his plans and purposes, and it tells us more about who he is and allows us and enables us to hear his voice and recognize his voice and participate with him. So how is it that we begin to walk down the path of delighting in the word of God. And this, I believe, is the invitation that is extended to each of us. What stood out to me is the connection between what the word of God will do if it's familiar in our lives. The question I have is why don't we delight in it? The invitation is simply this, to begin to take simple steps towards delight in the word of God. Now, for some of you, you may delight in the Word of God. You might find it really easy. You're kind of looking around, kind of going, how could anyone not delight in this thing? But I think for the majority of us, we struggle to make some sense of Scripture. We struggle to make it really familiar in our lives. And so I want to give you kind of a handful of of ideas and some frameworks to, to think about that might shape some of that. But for those of you who have had some bad experiences with the Bible and think to yourself, yeah, I don't know, can I just encourage you to have another crack? to have another uh, kind of come around at Scripture. Uh, when, I was a, when I was a kid, some of you may have had this experience, there was a couple of dishes that my mom cooked that I had a hard time swallowing, like literally. Uh, we didn't get dessert if we didn't eat our dinner, and so I choked it down because I really wanted dessert. But there were a couple meals. One of them was egg and noodle pie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad someone else feels the same way I did about it. And as a kid, it just killed me. And eventually I moved out of the house, not because of that. But, um, uh, and uh, years later, I might have even been married. I can't remember how long it was. But we came back home and uh, asked my mom, what's for dinner? She goes, egg and noodle pie. And I was like, oh, good. 
That's great. And I thought, okay, well, just man up. You're an adult now, so just, you know, it's going to be okay. And so she serves it up, and I had a bite, and I don't know whether she'd found a new recipe or whether my taste had changed, but I kind of liked it. And I, I, was, I still don't like eggy things, just as an aside, but something had changed, and coming back at it after several years was actually fairly important. Sometimes your experience of the Bible has been a little bit egg and noodle pie, right? You've read it and you've kind of gone, yeah, that's great, I'm done. Uh, and can I just encourage you to come back at it again another time, to have another crack at it, because the, the benefits of doing so, I think, are extraordinary. Can I just say that I think one of the problems that we often have, and we can end up thinking the same thing that, that Mark and Nickley talked about last week in, in, kind of their, in their sermons, was that we can tend to think that because something is difficult for us, that it is reserved for only the experts or the super spiritual elite. Right? So we think about prayer and we kind of go, oh yeah, that's fine for those people, but not for me. Uh, and, and we need to grow and develop in our own skills. And we can sometimes feel the same about the Bible, right? We can end up thinking, oh yeah, delighting in the word of God, that's fantastic for those people, those spiritual elite people or those experts in the word. And to some degree, it doesn't really help that you show up every Sunday and you get an I'm going to use the word loosely, an expert telling you things. And you think to yourself, I never could have read that out of the Bible. I can't believe that the stuff that they've come up with, that's remarkable. You know what? It doesn't come naturally to any of us on staff. It's not as if I walk around with a beam of light from heaven whenever I open the word of God. It's not like I just kind of go, you know, ah, and there it is. I go, look, like the profound truths have just leaped out of the page at me. Uh, this is a lot of work, it's a lot of study, it's a lot of thinking and reflecting and praying. Uh, and, and so sometimes we can end up assuming that ah, this is not for me, but it is. And let me tell you why. One of the things that we believe as followers of Jesus is that when we begin to place our faith in Jesus, one of the things that Jesus gives to us is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, if you want to kind of, if I can simplify and boil down the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's work is to complete and finish the work of Jesus. So God the Father sends Jesus the Son to rescue and redeem us, and then the Holy Spirit is sent to complete that work in our lives. Jesus says that when he sent the Spirit, it was to teach us the things that Jesus had taught his disciples. And so it is kind of, it's wrong to think that we ever read the Bible alone. We always read the Bible with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it is always appropriate for us to stop and before we read the Bible and say, Holy Spirit, you've been sent to finish and complete the work of Jesus. I'm following after him. I'm trying to make sense of, of, of him and of his mission and of his ministry. Would you, would you please reveal what this means to me? Would you show me what you're inviting me to do out of this? That's always appropriate. But let me give you two other pieces of... I guess it's pieces of advice. First of all, can I just say that the Bible has been uh, questioned and scrutinized and uh, torn down and pulled apart more than any other text in the history of literature. No book, to my knowledge, has been scrutinized or examined the way the Bible has. And I'm not talking about scrutinized by people who really love it. I'm talking about people who are scrutinizing it to find problems and holes and flaws with it. And you know what? They have not succeeded. And here's the important thing. Sometimes we read the Bible like it's super fragile. 
that if I read the Old Testament and I read something in it and I think to myself, that doesn't sound right, and if I dare voice the fact that that doesn't sound right, that somehow the whole Bible is just going to shatter in my hands, that my faith is going to turn to dust and ashes. But you know what? You can ask the hard questions. You can read the Bible and say, Lord, that doesn't make any sense. What in the world was that all about? And you know what? The hard questions don't go away. There's heaps of stuff in this thing that I have no idea what's going on about. This is, not, this is not a simple book. And can I just say, that's the second piece of advice. Don't be embarrassed if you don't understand it. Anyone read Shakespeare? Let me back that up. Anyone tried to read Shakespeare? Like the boy makes no sense, right? And he wrote in English only a few hundred years ago. The newest bits of the Bible are 2,000 years old. The oldest might be as old as 3,500 years old, written in a different language to a different time in a different context in a different part of the world. It is not an easy text to read. And if it had a rating on it, it would not be G. (laughs) This is full of adult themes. It talks about our world and about ourselves. It has sex, it has violence, doesn't have rock and roll, but we're missing, the Psalms are pretty good, right? It has all sorts of stuff in it that is seriously, seriously serious. And so when you couple that with a really ancient text, there's gonna be stuff you don't get. And that's okay. You know, some people will say that there aren't stupid questions. They're wrong, there are stupid questions. Uh, You've all heard stupid questions. It usually has to do with intent because there's a big difference between a stupid question and a simple question. But if someone asks a simple question out of a genuine desire to know, that's a good question. It is always a good question. Stupid questions are when someone at the back asks a question to get the teacher off on a tangent. That's a stupid question. But any genuine question that desires to know is a good question. And you can ask your questions of Scripture. You can ask them. You can ask them. If there's one thing I've learned studying the Bible and working at the Bible college like I do and teaching it to students, it's that the Bible can handle the tough questions. And there's no end of things that we don't make a lot of sense of, and that's okay. Because that's part of the journey that we're on. So let me suggest a handful of things that you can do to to try to develop a bit of a a love for and delight for the Word of God. First of all, as we've suggested over the course of this year, is read the Bible with someone else. And there's two reasons to do that. First of all, it provides a little bit of accountability, right? Uh, If we've agreed to read the Bible together, then I know that when we meet up or when we call or when we text or whatever it is that we do, uh, that uh, if I don't read it, I've kind of let you down. It's why people have walking partners or gym buddies or whatever it might be, right? So accountability is good. But it's also really helpful to have someone else that you can read the Bible with and say, I don't understand this, do you? And they go, nope, no idea. There's incredible freedom in that. Um, it's, 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 it's true in just about any area that you've been in, regardless of what you've experienced. Whenever you're experiencing something difficult, it's so refreshing to talk to someone else who's done the same thing. Because what you find is you're not alone. And it doesn't make it any easier, you just know you're not alone. I remember when we, uh, when we first became parents, 
you know, you spend your whole life trying to become a competent adult, and uh, you bring a little child home, and you can't make the child do anything, right? It won't go to sleep, it won't stay, it won't get up, it, like, it's just nothing, it's just nothing working. And there's nothing like having the first conversation with other new parents and saying, my child won't sleep. And they go, yeah, mine won't either. And you think, really? It's not me. It's everybody. Children don't sleep. Oh, that's so refreshing. It doesn't make it any easier, but it's so nice to know you're not alone. Reading the Bible with someone else helps you know you're not alone. It's so nice to hear someone else say, yeah, that's a really complicated passage. You go, oh, it's not just me. Uh, And then you can begin to work that through a little bit together as well. Then I would really encourage you as you you seek to read the Bible, and and can I encourage you to read the Bible? Because one of the things that sometimes happen is because we feel like we don't understand it, we can kind of outsource the reading of the Bible, and we end up just listening to sermons online, we listen to podcasts and all that kind of stuff, and that's good, or we read little devotional guides, which kind of give us a little bit of scripture and then explain it for us and make some sense of it, or we read books about scripture, whatever it might be, but there's nothing quite like us reading the Bible, right? Uh, Podcasts and and books and devotional guides are all really excellent. There's always a good time for those. But if we're going to read the Bible on our own, if we're going to kind of get into the Word of God, we have to sometimes read the Bible. And in order to do that well, can I just say, you need to find what works for you, right? So you need to find, first of all, a frequency that um, facilitates a habit, right? If you only read the Bible once a month, you're never going to make a habit out of that. Uh, And so you want to be reading the Bible a couple times a week, two or three times a week, maybe a little bit more, uh, just to enable that to become a habit for you. When you read the Bible, in terms of the time of the day, you need to make that work for you. So right now, in our family, uh, reading the Bible first thing in the morning does not work for me. The alarm goes off, we're all up, we're all trying to get out of the door. Uh, That's the wrong time for me to kind of take any time out to just say, can we just all be quiet while I read the Bible? Right? There's stuff to be done and it's just kind of a little bit chaotic. But because we're out of the house early, I tend to get to work really early. And so I'm taking the first half hour when I get to work and that's when I read the Bible. That's the time that works for me. Um, You need to find a time that works for you. Maybe it is first thing in the morning before your day all gets going. Uh, Maybe you can catch the the train that's one stop earlier and get to work 10 minutes earlier and take those 10 minutes and read the Bible. Maybe it works just before lunch. If you're a teacher, maybe it works in that glorious time right after all the kids have gone home uh, and you don't yet have to go home yourself and you can just take a moment to read. Maybe it works for you at night. Whatever it is, find a time that works and then stick at that. Find a way to make that a bit of a habit or a pattern in your life. And, and kind of try some stuff out. Sometimes things will change. Uh, and, and I think it's so important to not beat yourself up if you're not doing it all the time. Don't beat yourself up about it. Um, I, I grew up um, in a, well, I grew up in kind of a church like this, but in reality, there was kind of this sense that there was justification by quiet time, right? Uh, you believed in Jesus, that was a really good first start, but then, in order to really be a Christian, you had to pray and read the Bible every single day, which is great until you don't do it every single day, and then you feel bad, right? And if you feel bad for missing a day or missing a couple of days, you're never gonna delight in reading the Bible because it's a source that only makes you feel bad. So please, don't beat yourself up 
if you miss a day or two days or a week. Just keep coming back. Uh, next, um, use your phone. I follow someone on Facebook who set himself a, a task that he's not going to pick up his phone until after he's read the Bible. Uh, he wants that to be the very first thing in his day, so his life is obviously different than mine. Uh, and then he posts a photo of the passage that he was reading, so as soon as he's done reading, he picks up his phone. But, right, and, and that's all well and good. I think that we're often far too connected to our phones, but these are pretty handy devices, aren't they? Uh, if you have not yet downloaded the U version of the Bible, it's a free app that's put out by Life Church in the United States. Um, they have not only all sorts of versions of the Bible, but all sorts of plans. So you can actually go into the plans and find a particular topic or a theme or whatever it might be, uh, and you can kind of go through and it tells you when to read it. Now, I don't like my phone to buzz, beep, ding, buzz, anything. I turn off all the notifications. I just want my phone to be inert and lie there, right, until I need it. But I'm pretty sure you could set a notification that would buzz when it's time to read the Bible. And because we're so connected to our phones, like it's an umbilical cord, we go, oh, and then we would automatically read the Bible. Huh? So use your phone. You can actually, uh, Matt Willis was telling me about this, you can actually set up on the, on the YouVersion Bible app a group reading plan together. So you all decide that you're going to read the Bible at the same time. And Matt told me that, you know, not that it's a competition, but that way you know if you're winning, right? Because <laughs> uh, it tells you who else is reading and whether they've done the reading for all that day. So you don't have to be mean to yourself. You can be mean to one another, which is probably not biblical either, right? But there's lots of ways that we can increase our accountability to one another and be reading our way through Scripture. But please also don't beat yourself up this, this way either. Last year, I read through the Bible uh, in a year, uh, and most of the year I was behind, uh, four, five, six days. I, I just could, it was seven or eight minutes a day, but I just could never really kind of catch up until just after Christmas when I took advantage of the break and kind of caught up and finished the year on time. Woohoo! Uh, this year, I'm reading the Bible through in, uh, I'm, doing, um, I'm reading the Bible in 90 days, and I want to do it four times over the course of the year. It's about half an hour of reading, so it's not that, it's not that much. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm still four or five days behind, right? This is kind of the way it works. Uh, and I'm learning not to beat myself up about it. Uh, I'm a little bit behind. That's okay. Uh, I will continue to read the Bible and keep coming back to it and read big chunks and all that kind of stuff, whatever it might be. Uh, but find a way that works for you and find something that, that enables you to get into the Bible. But then finally, let me just say, perhaps... Perhaps you know, you've just kind of, you're beginning to kind of explore the Bible and you're not really certain. Just kind of work your way through it. But some of you have been followers of Jesus for a while now. And can I suggest that you might need to push yourself a bit? You might need to push yourself a bit. One of the reasons I've decided to read the Bible through in 90 days is because I read the Bible through in a year, and it was like, you know, as I said, seven or eight minutes a day, and it wasn't that big a, it wasn't that big a deal, really, not that much of my day. And I was spoken, speaking to a friend of mine, and he said that his wife was reading the Bible in 90 days. And I was like, 90 days? Wow, that's really quick. And I thought, maybe I should have a crack at that. Uh, and uh, I've, I really enjoyed it. I actually found it easier to read half an hour a day than seven or eight minutes a day. I think it's because I don't want to get two or three days behind because all of a sudden I'm an hour and a half behind rather than 20 minutes. I don't know what it is, whatever the fear is, but I'm, I'm kind of keeping up on it. Uh, and I uh, found it really quite enjoyable, but it's been something that I think is important for me. I'm not saying that it's something for you. You might not have any desire to do that at all. But for those of you who have been following Jesus for a while, have you ever read the Bible from cover to cover? Have you ever read from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22? And if you haven't, is now the time? 
I'm not saying that it is, but do you need to push yourself a little bit? You know, I personally find that when I study the Bible, uh, it, it, it's particularly helpful for me to engage with Scripture. I probably have had the most, most significant spiritual experiences of my life reading commentaries, right? which tells you something about me, I suppose. Uh, but there's something really profound about studying the Word of God and learning more about how it's been put together and about the original languages and about the original context and setting that really brings it to life for me. And maybe if you've been following Jesus for a while, that might be time to get an entry-level commentary and begin to read a commentary on your favorite section of Scripture, uh, your favorite book, your favorite gospel, your favorite epistle, a section of Scripture that you've always wanted to know more about. Uh, for some of you, just a little bit of a plug here, uh, you might want to attend Morling South. Uh, Morling South is actually a campus of Morling College at Padstow Baptist Church, Tuesday evening, 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock, and in the second semester we will be surveying the second half of the Old Testament, basically the, old, the latter prophets and the writings. Isaiah, basically to the end of the Old Testament, and a few extra books like Second Chronicles and Ezra and Esther and whatnot thrown in there as well. Yours truly will be teaching it. Perhaps you'd like to come along and audit that. Auditing simply means you pay a small fee, but you don't have to hand in an essay or do an exam. All the learning, none of the work. How fun does that sound? But maybe that's the next step for you. It might not be the step for all of you, but it might be the step for some of you. Whatever it might be, whatever it might be, can I encourage you to take one small step towards delighting in the Word of God? Like, can I encourage you to do one thing this week that will kind of put you on the path of learning to love the Word of God just a little bit more? Because when we do, when we become familiar with the Word of God, when we hide this in our hearts, it teaches us the ways of God, it teaches us the character of God, it helps us identify his work and the patterns of his behavior in our world. It keeps us on the straight and narrow, enables us to figure out ways to live according to his plans and purposes in our lives. The benefit of hiding the word in our hearts is immense. And perhaps it's time for each one of us to take one step closer to learning to delight in the word of God to delight in what he has to say to us, to work through what might be difficult or a little bit hard and become those who, like the psalmist, can say, I value your word over everything else. So do you have that one thing in mind? Can I encourage you not to leave it here, but to make sure you do it, to put it into practice, whatever it might be, uh, to begin to love the word just a little bit more. I'm going to invite Jared and the team up. We're going to conclude our service in, uh, in worship and the prayer team will be down the front. We'd love to pray with you about whatever's going on in your life. Um, but as they come forward, can I just take a moment to lead us in prayer uh, that we might indeed have the Holy Spirit's presence in our life, uh, enabling and deepening our love for the word. Let me pray. Our Lord Jesus, we do thank you that you continue to invite each of us to participate with what you're doing. And uh, that's a pretty amazing thing because we're not often the best partners. We're easily distracted and uh, we tend not to love the same things you do in the same way that you love them and we don't listen particularly well and yet you persist in inviting us to join you. And I would ask, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would complete the work that you have begun in each one of us. 
uh, that we would be those who listen to you in prayer and we would be those who listen to you in your word. Uh, that we would be uh, alert to what stands out, that we would be alert to the questions, but that we would be alert to what you're inviting us into. Uh, and as we take some steps this week to, to love your word just a little bit more, I pray that you would indeed fill our hearts with a little bit more delight, that we would find it a little bit easier to read your word, that you would lead and guide us into ways and times and patterns that would be helpful for ongoing development Uh, that we would grow to understand and hear your voice and that you would grant to us the courage to respond. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. What small step can you take to more deeply engage with the Bible, to learn to delight in it? Whatever that is, make sure you take that step so that as we become more familiar with the character, plans, and purposes of God, we might more readily hear his invitation to join in what he's doing in the world. We'd love to hear from you as you hear and respond to the invitation of God. And you can find us on Facebook or visit our website at gamiabaptist.org.au. And for more information about how to read the Bible together and the four questions that we ask here, follow the link in the description for an information sheet. May your eyes and ears be open and your heart soft to the invitation of the Spirit to join in God's renewing work in Jesus. God bless. God bless.